we glorify parenthood and like what we see as like the traditional thing. But then when you have a child that is not taking whatever that traditional path is, then you're going to have to find something else to be into. Hi there. Welcome to This Is My Family, a podcast about building a life with the people you love. I'm your host, Tyler Green, and I am so glad you're here. On today's show, we've got Ariane Nettles. She's a friend of mine, an incredible journalist, a professor, and the single parent of a kid with special needs. But first, for those who are new to our show, I just want to say welcome. We make this show to celebrate and explore the many beautifully messy ways that we can make our families today. And to be honest, a lot of the ways that those families end up making us. We started this season with the story of me, my husband, and our beautiful son, Sam. Since then, we've talked to renowned meditation teachers, iconic drag queens, and a whole lot of other fascinating people about their families. So thank you for stopping by. And also just a shout out to those people who are coming back for more. So I wanted to talk to Ariane Nettles for a lot of reasons. We used to work together at WBEZ in Chicago, the public radio station there. And Ari always had a positive disposition. Sometimes I would secretly just go walk around her area just to feel better. That is the truth. And one time we got to do a pledge drive pitch together, which for those who are unfamiliar with public radio, there's a lot of begging for your money. And Ariane and I got to sit face to face for two hours and just connect and have fun and laugh. She's really just one of those people that brightens the room. And the truth is, even though I sat with her for two hours, I really didn't know much about her family story, which if you follow her on social media, she's really open about in a refreshingly authentic way. I knew from following her on social that she hunkered down alone in this pandemic, trying to juggle this really cool career as a journalist and a journalism professor at Northwestern University, while also raising her teenage son, Jackson. And Jackson has developmental disabilities that mean he is nonverbal, except for a little sign language. One example that she brings up in the interview is that he can't hold silverware to feed himself. So it's a lot to handle all of that and to juggle all of those things. So first of all, I just wanted to check in with my friend Ariane and see how she's holding up. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think at the beginning, I would always say like, oh, I'm great, because that is our um, automatic response to everything. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm great. And then lately, I've been saying to people like, no, I'm not good. Like, it's a lot going on. It's a lot to handle. I am learning maybe new ways to handle the stress, saying, you know what? My son is taking a nap, so he doesn't want to go back to school for this afternoon session, and I am really tired or really busy, and we're just going to skip it. Before we talked more about her and Jackson, I wanted to talk to Ariane about the first chosen family she formed. After growing up in Chicago, Ariane headed to Florida A&M University, an historically black college better known as FAMU. And the close group of friends that she found during college became her new chosen family while she was far from home. 
they really do become your family. And I think that, like, not to take anything away from my friends who went to school in Chicago, but if you can drive an hour and 45 minutes and get back home, you are going to rely on your home or your family. We did not, we couldn't do that, right? When I had Jackson, so many of them, like, I always joke and talk about how my friends, when Jackson was, like, small enough to be in a carrier, they would like pass him from class. Let's say I'm like, oh, I got this really important class. And then my friend Lydia might say, oh, well, I don't have class until 930. So I can watch him for your eight o'clock. And then I have Mm -hmm. another friend that's like, oh, well, I got eight o'clock with you. But then after that, I don't have a 930. So I will just um, grab him from Lydia. So like they would like pass him in the hallway, like in between classes, like in his little carrier, like, oh yeah, like wow. wow, one person's getting out of class, the other person's going to class and they would like pass him off. And so, um, wow. you know, you needed that. Like there was no care.com. I mean, and then some of that, even if I had it, like I wouldn't have, even if some of those stuff was available, then I wouldn't have had the money for it. Right. Even something as little as like not having Ubers. So really having to rely on in a place like, we're here in Chicago or any major city, you have pretty good transit system. We did not have a good transit system. So you got to rely, you got to find somebody who has a car. If you need anything done, food delivery wasn't a huge thing. Right. So it was just all these things where like, if you needed something, you had to rely on other people. And so like, Mm -hmm. you have to develop a community, you have to develop a family. And I think that the, crazy thing is that even with a lot of those friends like even when some of us we would fight sometimes we would have disagreements but it was still like no but that's my family like I can fight with her and maybe yeah maybe we didn't agree yesterday but that's still my sister and so if at any point she's up against anything like mm -mm. Mm -hmm. so I think that that was a very interesting period in my life because I think now, especially like now that I'm older, I don't have as many friendships that are like that. But like, I have such a high standard for friendship now, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, what what was different? I mean, obviously, FAMU community, but like, what, it was also you were you were younger. And I mean, one very special thing about like going to like a HBCU is that you really are often connected with people that are very, very different from you. But I don't know what it is. It's kind of like you are very different, but still very much the same. We all were kind of about the same thing, even if we had different ways of achieving it. You know, I think that, you know, you're very much about how do I find myself like as a young black person in this world? How um, what do I want my legacy to be like? as a young black person in this world, what am I shaping myself to be? What kind of circle do I want? What kind of community? So it's like those questions that you're kind of constantly asking yourself where you just may or may not. And again, not to say that other people don't do that, but it's just that you're all kind of on the same plane as far as Mm -hmm. some of that goes. And Mm -hmm. it's like a awakening and a growth period. And you're all having it at the same time. Like you're all becoming aware of what you can do and the power that you have like all at the same time even now like if I'm with other like HBCU alums like we just kind of connect in a way that is just mm-hmm. like and I and, and sometimes it might just be like a pure appreciation right like 
I understand your path. I know your path. Just like how if somebody went to any school that you went to, like you're like, oh, I remember we walked the same halls. You know, it's kind of like if you went to another HBCU, even if it wasn't mine, I feel like we walked the same path in some way. Hmm. Her fellow students became even more like family when Ariane was just starting her first semester of grad school at FAMU. That's when she got pregnant with her son, Jackson. In fact, she ended up going into labor on a day when she had an important midterm. When I was about to have him, I was like, listen, um, kid, I have a midterm today. And these like contractions that we're having, because I was having contractions, but they were still like 15 minutes apart. So they don't let you go to the hospital until they're like five minutes apart. And if I don't go to the hospital, I don't have a doctor's note to be excused from this test. So I need, I was like, listen, I need you to come today. I need my doctor's note to be dated for today so that I can get a retake. Out of this. Okay. (laughs) So do what you got to do and come this day. And he did. That was the last, first and last time he ever listened to me. But (laughs) he came. And then I'm pretty sure, like, I think I had that retake like two weeks later. And so I kind of just want to hear about how you raised him in college. And then with his health issues, like, when did that happen? And how did it all evolve? So his birth was normal. He didn't have any issues at birth. I didn't have any, like, pregnancy issues that I knew of. Like, everything was pretty normal. But when he was around three months old, I saw him have a seizure. Mm. And for the longest, nobody would believe me. So I took him to the doctor, and then I got, like, a referral for a pediatric neurologist and at the time since I'm in student we're on Medicaid like you know I don't have like the best insurance and they're like oh well this is the only pediatric neurologist in Tallahassee so he's the only person you can see so I go see this Mm. man and he keeps telling me I don't know what a seizure looks like so he's not believing me at all and I'm like but my baby who is three months old is shaking so hard that I'm like, it's like waking me up out. It woke me up out the out of my sleep. Like, that's how hard he was shaking. Like, and he kept telling me, it's probably just acid reflux. It's not a seizure. And then they put like a 24-hour EEG, I believe is the one that's on the brain. The EKG is for your heart. But so he did the yeah. 24-hour EEG. They didn't see anything. They did an MRI. But again, he's a little baby. So like he's moving, he's squirming. Now that I have good doctors, I realize that like now when Jackson gets MRIs, they put him to sleep because they know that kids are going to squirm. And if you squirm, right. you can't get a good MRI picture. So they were doing these tests, but I don't think they were good tests. And um, they kept saying, we don't see anything. So finally, after so much complaining, they finally check him into the hospital for observation. But this is like six months. So this has been three months later, three months of trying to fight and make people believe that he's having seizures. And then he finally has like a seizure in the hospital. And now they believe me. But basically, that was just the start of, to summarize, like, Several years, actually, of people giving him these diagnoses that were not true, right? Um, I know it's hard to diagnose a little baby, so I get it. But a lot of these people, now that I'm older, I know that they just were not very competent of, like, how to do this with children. Yeah. Like, you know, like, even just as little of, like, you are literally doing MRIs and, like, they, yeah, you didn't see it. But now it's like we see that there's, like, 
three brain tumors and they're benign so they don't grow but they make them have seizures and they affect his um developmental growth so y'all talking about you don't see anything right and he it's all this stuff to be seen so i think it just shows like you know people just not knowing but it went from years of like from doctor to doctor to doctor before i finally got this like really sweet nurse and she pulled me aside because we were in the hospital with a different doctor and she was like I didn't tell you this. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you need to find Dr. So-and-so. And And I have seen him work miracles and your baby is having all these different types of um, seizures. I've never seen these many different types of seizures in one kid before. You need to get in to see this doctor. And that was a doctor that finally diagnosed him with what he has now, tuberous sclerosis, which is been, and that was the first doctor to listen to me to actually care about me, to actually say like, okay, let's really evaluate the medicines that we are using and keep staying in contact with me in my office. And if this isn't working, we're going to try for this many weeks. And if this doesn't work, then we'll try. Like that was the first time, like even so that one time he was on a medicine that was like making him just scream a lot. And Jackson's still nonverbal, but I think around this time he was around two and he was just yelling just screaming. And when we went into the doctor, you know, the doctor was like, well, how long has he been yelling like this? I was like, he has just been yelling like this for like a week and I don't know what's going on. Mm. And he was like, next time that happens, just call me. Right. You know, so it's just like a totally different type of process. And so, Mm. but it took years for us to like get to that point to even know what he had. But because Mm. of the tuberous sclerosis, he has developmental delay. He still has some seizures. We, Usually we'll kind of like get him in under control for a little bit, but he's a growing boy. So we have to constantly like adjust his levels and try new medicines and stuff. And he has autism technique. Like he is diagnosed with autism now, but basically the autism is connected to the tuberous sclerosis. Still ahead, I talk with Ariane about her hopes and dreams for both her son Jackson and her own future. If you're enjoying this conversation, don't forget to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or add us on any of the other great podcasting apps. Stay with us. More Ariane up next. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Ariane has been a solo parent ever since Jackson was about two years old. Her relationship with his dad was short-lived at the time we were technically together and then we later Mm. got married but we got divorced right after we got married and all of the hospital visits and all of that especially by that point so like we got married when he was one but by the time he was two we were getting a divorce so Mm. really most of this like his care has all been on me what kind of support do you have right now 
So I have my parents, but that's pretty much it. And they're also all still working. So my mom, my stepdad, my dad, like everybody's working. So it's not like I have anybody who is at home or at home with me. And my mom, like, you know, I appreciate her so much, but she is not the make her grandchild do anything type of grandma. So Hmm. um, she is not going to like make him sit in class or do any of that stuff. So like it does kind of still either way following me to do a lot of the mean parent stuff, the Mm. you got to go to school, you got to go like, that's all me. Um, So they do help on the weekends, but like I'd say for the most part during the week, it's just me and him in this house. And yeah, we're both getting on each other's nerves. So, I mean, my family tries to maybe help, but really when it comes to his physical care and his health care, it's all on me because nobody else can handle it. Nobody likes to take him to the doctor if he's going to be screaming, right? Or he has to get shots or they don't know how they're not going to hold him down. Like, Mm -hmm. God bless my mama and her sister, my aunt. They took him. He had to get an MRI. And of course, they put him to sleep. And Jackson, also, I think partially because he's lazy and that man, that child loves to sleep. Like if you, so you give him a little, little sedative, he's like, fine, I'm out. But he just traditionally takes a little longer to wake up from being put to mm. sleep for a procedure. So they, I had to work. They took him for me. They were in there crying when he didn't wake up immediately uh, because they were so worried. They're like, what? He's not waking up. So they're in there crying. So they are no help to me because I was like, you just going to be in there crying. Making it worse. Yeah. Making it worse. Like, you know, so it really is just me. Um, They could maybe take him to like a checkup or something, but I got to make sure there's no shots involved. I got to make sure. It's nothing that's going to make him cry or anything because then they're going to start crying. So I just, <laughs> but most of the big stuff. So pretty much everything um, is lies on me. And his, he, his father is not in the picture anymore. So he hasn't seen his father since he was about two years old. So now mm-hmm. he's turning 14 in February. So he's almost a high schooler? He's almost a high schooler. We just applied for high school. I just. Wow. Did the little hit submit on the little application. I can't believe it. I'm really stressed out that that Mm. is where I am at this point. What have you learned from the last decade of of raising him? I think probably like my biggest thing, my biggest takeaway, the biggest lesson is probably just that some stuff you just can't force. That like people are going to be who they are. And so, like, Jackson is just, like, literally going to be Jackson. And you have to respect it because he's going to do what he wants to do. So while the rest of us, we are, like, running around, losing our minds, being stressed out. You know what Jackson does if he doesn't like something? He just goes to sleep. He just takes a nap. He's like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to go to sleep. And so it's just like his attitude is, I don't care. I don't care what y'all, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't really care. And I mean, of course, we can't always just do that. But like, we put a lot of effort into other stuff 
And sometimes we need to be in our own little world, you know? And so I think that's one thing I really admire about him is that he is in his own little world and he is going to be happy. Does Jackson know that it's a global pandemic? Nope. He knows he has to be at home all the time. So sometimes he gets a little irritated. Like, listen, I'm ready to go. Like when he's ready to go, since he's nonverbal, he'll get like socks and hand them to me or get his shoes and be like, Psh, I need to get out of here. But besides that, he's just kind of like, eh, okay, so this is how we're doing stuff. Oh, homeschool, remote learning. I'm not into this. So I'm just go to sleep. And when it's time to play again, you wake me up, lady. And you- <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like there are some lessons we could learn from Jackson. Yeah, you know, it's just, that, it's just that I only have so much control over stuff. And that yeah. like he does like you're not going to you're not going to bother him. He's not going to let you bother him. Like, that is the thing. Because I try, okay? I'm like, come on, Jackson. <laughs> you got to stay up. I'll be over there like, like we got to go to class. Come on, yay. Let's clap for this song. And he's just like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so you do what you want to do. But I'm going to just lay here. And so he's just very, I think it's just, and so it's just really taught me that. It's taught me patience with people, you mm. know? People are who they are. You cannot make them mm. be anything that they are not I think I definitely when I was younger maybe because you know we glorify parenthood and like what we see as like the traditional thing but then when you have a child that is not taking whatever that traditional path is then you're gonna have to find something else to be into because Jackson is not going to do those he's not going to be interested in certain things so i need to be interested in what he's interested in like if he's my baby and i want him to be happy then i have to find ways for him to be happy that i mean of course that are within reason right like if he wanted if i would let him he would try to be up on youtube all night long so it's like sorry bro you can't do that but i have to find like if he loves a song i gotta sing that song like that has to be what like he loves music he loves mm. clapping and stomping and dancing. So that has to be like what we do. We we're he's not going to want to do like maybe some of the other things that like, you know, neurotypical kid might be into. He's not gonna be into some of those activities. Jackson is going to like the same songs and play with the same toys. He has been he's played with the same toys since he was a little kid. So like that's one thing mm. I did learn about Christmas was like I just need to rebuy the same types of toys. Don't try to get that mm. man any new toys because he's gonna look at you like you're crazy. He's like, listen, you know what I like? <laughs> Give me the toys I like. That's what I that's what I try to tell my husband. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, you know what I like. <laughs> Apple products now. Come exactly. On. So you got to um, give people what they like. You can't make people <laughs> see lesson. You can't make yes. people want what you want them to want. You got to give them what they want. Oh my, so, that is deep. Can we just pause on that? Yes. <laughs> now that Jackson's about to be a high schooler, um, what kind of hopes and, and dreams do you have for his? future Mm -hmm. post high school and into a further adulthood. So I think that that has been one thing that is like, when you talk about like accepting stuff, I had to accept that Jackson's adulthood is likely not going to be the typical adulthood that we talk about as far as like you're 18, you go to college and you move, you know, you like get on your own, like that may not be it based off of probably where his progress is now, I think that he will likely live with me for the rest of my life. And so I would like for him to be able to move a little bit more independently. For example, 
I set him up with a little mini apartment in the basement, right? If I could, I make it so that, okay, he has a refrigerator and he has access to things to drink and he can get those things on his own. And if he wants a snack, is there a way to have a snack that is like in his grass that he can, you know? So like, I'm trying to think of things like that, of like, Hmm. what is the best way like how can I make him be as independent as he possibly can be and if it's something past that limit not to worry about it you know because for him there aren't really many snacks that he can feed himself like he can't feed himself with like a spoon so like he does finger food so if there even if I could get him to the point where if I have this like a plate of chicken nuggets already on a plate and he can stick it in the microwave and feed himself like that is a huge win win, right that's a huge win for him to be able to do that himself because right now I gotta fix the plate and set it up and then cut the chicken nuggets up and then set it on the table and then he could feed himself, right? So any little thing that he can learn as he grows older to be able to better take care of himself is like a win. He is still in diapers. I would love for Jackson to be potty trained. Besides the fact that I am tired of changing diapers, I've been changing (laughs) diapers for 13 years, but that aside... As he becomes older, that will limit the amount of activities he could do if he's in a diaper, right? Like For now sure. he's a little kid. And so even though he's a, he's a kid, you know, they're like, he can have an aid and aids, you know, to aids can change his diaper and stuff like that. But when he gets older, if he's 25, you know, he's, he's, he's going to need to like use the restroom Um, if he, you know, does any activities outside the house, right? So I think, like, those types of things, just being able to, like, really take care of himself are, like, my hopes for him. And I think that he'll get there, but it's also, like, because, again, Jackson is really stubborn. Some of it is, I just don't want to. You know what I want. Why do you want me to do extra work, right? Like, he learned how to say please and, like, in sign language. He does it so aggressively. Like, (laughs) but he does it for everything. Like, his he does please for please. I would like some food. He still does please. I would like some more food. He does please. I'm tired of you. He does please. He does please for everything, right? (laughs) And so even just getting him to do, like, a few more of those signals right could help him communicate a little bit better besides him like kind of like shoving his cup in my face while I'm trying to take a nap he could maybe say I would like something to drink (laughs) um because you know if you are like not paying attention and like a sippy cup like hits you in the in the eye like it's not um it's not the best (laughs) No, nope. I was gonna say that's probably happening to you right now. So you it's probably all know all kinds of things, books. Yeah, it's, it's like just, here, yeah. here. I want it, and it's like that's great. But you tell like, me another way. Okay, so last question. I know you just bought a house, and you're you know college professor, and I'm curious to know what are your hopes and dreams for your own life, but also like in the context of the show, any future family or mm-hmm. what does, you know, Ari's family look like yeah. in 10 years, if if different at yeah. all? That was a very funny thing is that, like, I was freaking out about having enough space in this house for the future family I want. And my best friend, who's my realtor, had to tell me, like, okay, well, listen, if you outgrow the house, we'll just find you a new house, okay? Like, relax. <laughs> um, yes. Because I was like, but what about if I have a baby? Where am I going to put the nursery? And she's like, 
yeah. you'll get a new house. She's like, or, you know, whoever, like, your husband is, like, maybe he'll build this house out. Or maybe he'll get you, like, you could just also just calm down and just worry about it later. So I very much would like to get married and have another baby um, mm. or two. I feel like if I say or two, like, maybe, like, twins or something. Because I think I only got one more preg- pregnancy in me. But I'm also open to other types of ways to have a family like if i don't have a biological child i would adopt a baby i I just think i do Mm. really feel like i have more love in me and so Mm. um i do want another child but i just like to be just very frank like jackson's a lot of work by myself and how with Many kids, as they get older, they're less work. As Jackson gets older, he's more work because he's stronger and heavier and bigger. And it takes a lot more out of me. And I don't know if I could handle a baby by myself and him. So although, you know, I am very open to like people making the decision, I would prefer not to have another child full time by myself while I'm still taking care of Jackson full time by myself. I think if I did that, I would like have to like not work or something, you know, it would, it would just have to be a level of sacrifice that I don't think I want because I still have like career ambitions. I apply mm-hmm. for a PhD program. I hope to start yes. next year. Dr. Yeah. And so if I did that, you know, so I would hope to have a baby in like three years or so. But again, I mean, I think that has been very, actually very tough for me, like during the pandemic, especially is like that unknown feeling of like, I'm not dating anybody. So Mm. I'm 35 now. If I were to get pregnant today, I'm technically a geriatric pregnancy. Like my risks are going to continue to skyrocket every year that I don't have a baby. And so I think that whole biological clock ticking thing is really stressing me out because literally I'm not dating anybody. It's a whole pandemic. I'm not probably going to find nobody. (laughs) Um, And so I, I, I really do want love and companionship. And I think that that has honestly been like really tough for me during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. not having that family structure at home besides just me and Jackson. And so I did think that I would have been remarried by now and have more kids, but that's not what happened. But I do want it to happen. And I think I've that's been like a big leap for me is to actually be able to admit that I want that, that I want a husband, I want more kids or at least another kid, however that looks, whether it is more kids by marriage, you know, or more kids by adoption or whatever. But I know I want more kids. And so that's kind of like my hope. That's awesome. I'm, I was thinking maybe somebody will be listening to this episode. I, call me up, y'all. I'm single. Call you up. I'm single and ready to virtually mingle. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really, um, I really love your energy. You've always been sort of tangential to my immediate existence yeah. at work when we worked together. But every time I saw you, it was always like... I felt better, and I just want you to know that, and and I appreciate you sharing this story, and I'm sure we could talk for another two hours, but now we both have to go back to our children and um, (laughs) take care of that, (laughs) but uh, but thanks for spending time with me, and Merry Christmas, I guess. Merry Christmas, and tell Sam I say hey! Oh, I will. I'm the president of the Sam fans, so... Thank you so much, Ari, for spending that time with me and sharing your life with us. 
I leave that conversation thinking of two words, patience and grace. Ari says in the episode referencing Jackson, he's going to do what he's going to do. You have to respect it. You know what Jackson does if he doesn't like something? He goes to sleep. I think there's lots of lessons to take from this episode. But the biggest one probably is that people are who they are. I'm going to repeat that again. People are who they are. No matter what you do, you cannot make people be what they're not. And this applies, I think, to many family relationships. Particularly in the pandemic, we spend a lot of time with our loved ones. Our relationships are zoomed in upon. And I got to tell you from experience, when you pause, breathe, no matter what is going on, and look at the other person and see them for who they are with full acceptance, I'm telling you, it's a lot easier. The sidebar to that is, it's really, really hard. And I think that's another reason I loved talking to Ari, is that Ari seems to dig in. She doesn't shy away from something being hard. When things happen in our lives that we don't expect, we do have to grow up really fast. And I'm just thinking of all of us out here, me now sitting in my closet, or you haven't seen your family in, you know, nine months maybe. Human beings are resilient. When we can be patient, show a little grace, and breathe, sometimes it works out. On next week's episode, we return to a theme of this season, which is forgiveness. And we talk about complicated caretakers and so much more with my friend Jay Ivey, who is a performance poet and a Peabody Award winner. His famous Dear Father performance inspired a book by the same name. Our parents, they aren't these indestructible superheroes that that we make them out to be because I mean for so long you know we were small and they were big and we all we're always looking up constantly looking up looking up looking up looking up thanks for listening to this is my family you can find Ariane online that's at Ariane Nettles on Instagram and Twitter you can find this show on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at TIMF show our website is TIMFshow.com and you can email me at Tyler at TIMFshow.com this show is a production of thestoryproducer.com, and it's made by me, Trisha Bobita, and Jackie Ball. It's edited and mixed by Adam Yaffe. Our music is by Andrew Edwards. Our community manager is Annika Exum. And last, but certainly not least, our art director is my handsome husband, Ziwoo Joe. If you're digging this show, I would love for you to write us a thoughtful review and shoot us those five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's also really helpful if you tell someone you love about this show. We're trying to build an army of empathy here, and we need all the soldiers we can get these days. Also, as I said before, be sure to hit subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Green. And until next time, stay beautiful and messy. Is the podcast all done, Sam? I got it.